Welcome to the Southside Community Church Podcast with Pastor Mark Hahn. We are located at 1815 South P Street in Elwood, Indiana. Visit us on Facebook. The link will be in the description below. Have a great day. Well, I'll tell you, sometimes you you don't know what to preach on or what you're going to preach. But the Lord helped us this morning. I come across this really in the daily reading and then looked into it, read it many times, and uh, never got to meet so to speak, out of it as I did this time. So evidently, we're just going to try this scripture here this morning. If you have your Bibles and want to go over to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. And this is known as the Beatitudes. And we're going to read verses uh, 1. I think I want to go through 16. 1 through 16. Excuse me. And this is Jesus here. And it said, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into the mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which persecute, which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you. Listen, falsely for my sake rejoice and be seemingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecute they the prophets which were before you ye are the salt of the earth but if the salt has lost its savor that means its flavor Wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. Neither do man light a candle and put it under a bushel, that means basket, but he on a candlestick, and he giveth light unto all 
and to all that are in the house. Ye are the let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Our dear Heavenly Father, we pray God for your help. Lord, here this morning on this message, we pray God for your grace and your mercy. Help us, Lord, to interpret this, God, the way that Christ had taught it here, Lord, on the side of the mountain, the side of the hill there, Lord, as He brought forth this teaching to His disciples and to all those that weren't even His disciples, the crowd that was there, that He taught this lesson. Help us today, we pray. We realize, Lord, that without You we can do nothing. Our hands are tied this morning. Loosen us, God, we pray. And may we say the words, Lord, that You would have us to preach on this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we get the picture here. Now, I don't know how... Never looked into it. I don't know how long Jesus had been teaching and preaching. I tell you, I don't think it's been very long. But He come up to this hill. They say it was probably a hill. He said it was probably elevated uh, above the people. And there was crowds of people there that followed him and his disciples. And it said that he was up on top of that hill there. Huh? And the reason is they didn't have microphones, speakers like we have in this church today. Huh? Everything was just from the mouth. However he spoke, it had to get to the people. So he was elevated above the people a little ways. So his voice could go out and reach the people. That they could hear him. Amen. And he sat. It said he sat down. And this was the tradition of the Jewish rabbis and the teachers of that day was to sit down as they taught. Amen. And I thought about that. Uh, Jesus, you know, I could see him on the side of that hill, side of that mountain there. And uh, he's getting ready to teach the people. Amen. And, and the Scripture said there was none that ever taught nor preached huh, like Jesus. He was different. He spoke with authority. He spoke with power. And He spoke with, with a, a, a clearness of a state of mind. Amen. I tell you what, uh, we got uh, preachers today, my friend, our oracles, they, have, they know how to talk. They know how to speak. They know what to say. Huh? And that's fine. But if there's no power behind it, no spirit behind it, it's not going to go anywhere. Amen? You hear what I'm saying? Jesus had it all. Amen? He was the divine Son of God. He had power in His speech. He had power in His preaching and His teaching. That's why the crowd came. Huh? The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the rabbis and the teachers of men. Huh? They couldn't satisfy the people. They were empty. They were following a set of rules. Huh? Following religion huh? and regulations and followed the law to make them right. And here comes Jesus, a man, the divine Son of God. And He sits on this hill. And He started out, my friend, with the best subject 
that he could start out on the attitudes. Mm -hmm. Amen? The attitudes of men. Let me read this to you. The definition of attitude. <clears throat> it's a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something. Typically, one is reflected in a person's behavior. So their attitude basically affects their behavior, okay? The attitude is so important in our lives. It is more important than the past and more important than the present. We cannot change our past, nor can we change what people think of us. All right? Ten, listen to this. 10% of our life is what happens to us are the major things. Listen, only 10%. Okay? <clears throat> Excuse me. The 80% of our lives is how we'll react to that 10% that's happened to us. Amen? You get it? How we react and the attitude we have towards what happened <clears throat> to the 10%. It will, control, it will control our attitude, our behavior, and the way we live. How important is that? God can control the mind and our attitude if we'll let him. Amen? Huh? The attitude, how you're going to react, huh, to the things that happen to you in your life. Listen, that is so important. I need to grasp this lesson, amen? And as I studied it, I looked into it, amen? Huh? Because things are going to happen to us in our lives, huh? And it is how we react to them, like I read, makes all the difference in the world. Because what it is, it's not going to affect the people or the persons that's wronged you or done you wrong or, this, or the things in your life that has that burdened you down and, and caused all the problems. It's how you react and how you're going to live with it that makes all the difference in the world. Amen? And Jesus knew that. Huh? He knew it. This, if you got your if you got your notes out, I want you to write this down. Just remember this, okay? That being comes before doing. For what we do is always determined by who we are. <laughs> Got it? Huh? That's who we are. That's who a person is. Huh? It determines their being, their existing, and who they are, and how they react, and what they do shows who they are. Amen? Their attitude. Praise God. Sit here. <clears throat> the Ten Commandments have to do with action. The Beatitudes have to do with attitudes.
The Ten Commandments have to do with conduct. The Beatitudes have to do with character. Amen? Why do we need to... Why do we need the Beatitudes? Why do we need them? Huh? Why did Jesus bring this huh, to the people and to his disciples? It is because our actions, listen, flow from our attitudes and our conducts issue who our character is. <laughs> Amen. See how it's all tied together? I hope I can explain that right. Huh? The attitude huh, that we have huh, will involve in our actions. And our actions involve in our conduct. Our conduct. Huh? And our conduct. I'm not talking about judgment here. Listen. Huh? I'm talking about character. We know what character is. That's who the person is. We can see their character. Huh? Amen. Jesus said you'll know it by their fruits. Huh? Not because they got apples or oranges or hanging on them, because of their lifestyle and how they live. You're going to know what they are and the type of people they are. And I want to tell you something. I get so sick of this culture, and I don't want to get on it this morning, but I'll tell you what, they just say you can be whatever you want to be, and it's all right, and it's fine. But it's so wrong. Amen? Huh? The truth is in God's Word. And I'll tell you what, the books will be open one of these days and every person will give the account for the character that they possess on this earth. Amen? i tell you what. We better get tougher and tougher and tougher in our Christian life. And our convictions and holding on to the truth because the world is getting further and worse and farther away from God. And when the world and the conditions of the world get so far away from God, guess who they're after? The Christian and the church because they're the light and they're the salt. Huh? And when we live our lives according to God's word, it's in opposition to the way they're—I don't even know about some of these—to the way they're living, huh? And they—and they, and there's a form of hate. Now we're haters, huh? Now we—now we don't love people, huh? Because of their conduct and everything they do, we don't love them, huh? Because we don't accept it, huh? We're called all kinds of names, but I'm going to tell you something. Those three Hebrew children never compromised nothing. They kept their faith in God. Huh? And they knew that they were going to be thrown into the fiery furnace and burned alive. But it didn't matter to them. Huh? You see, the culture of their day huh, was so sinful and so ungodly like our culture is today. Ours is probably worse than theirs. Huh? But they were holding on. I didn't know I was going to get into that. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm holding on to what I know. I'm going to hold on to what the truth that God has given me. And the convictions that He's given me to hold on to. Amen? Because I'm going to make Heaven my home. 
I want to follow His way. Amen. And enter into the gates in one of these days of the city. You hear me? Enter in, thou good and faithful servant. <laughs> into the joys of life. Huh? Why is he going to say Because thou hast been faithful over a few things. Amen. Amen. Woo! Hallelujah. God didn't call us to be successful in this life, but He called us to be faithful. Amen. To Him. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> Let's look at these real quick. Lord, help us. Never seen them this way. <clears throat> Might have a little bit, but not like this. This is what he said. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Poor in spirit. This is a man. When I say man, I told you this before, that means people. M-A-N. <clears throat> a man's spirit is broken. He realizes that he's lost spiritually and he and and he he is in poverty spiritually because of his sins. He is empty, something is missing in his life. There is a void that can, that he cannot find and cannot fill it. This is the first step to salvation. How can a man be saved? If he don't realize he's lost. Amen? How true that is. Here's what it said in Psalms 51, 17. David said, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and repentant heart. Oh God, thou will not turn now. Amen? A poor in spirit. Do you get this this morning? I'm so thankful uh, for this today, my friend, when a man realizes that he's lost and that he's in need of a Savior. Huh? I tell you what, listen, there's people joining churches today, my friend, huh? and, and, their, and their name is on the church roll and, and they faithfully go to church. But I want to tell you something, they've never been poor in spirit. Broken in spirit over their sinful life. Huh? How, like I said, how can a man huh, no, come to find God if he don't even realize that he's even lost? Does that make any sense? We've got to realize we're lost first. Huh? And I want to tell you something. Those men and women that were in that crowd had broken spirits. That's what he said the first. He said, blessed are they, huh? That they pour in spirit. Amen. They're lost. They're void. We just sung the song this morning. Huh? Satisfied. Huh? Amen. There was a void and an emptiness in their life. And they realized it. And they're poor and in poverty to spiritual things. Huh? 
But there's, <laughs> amen, it's the first step to the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Praise God. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Listen here. This is the ones that, they are the mourning over their sins and carrying the weight of them. And it's, a, and it's burdening them down and they are crushed by the weight of sin. A man that realizes the a man that realizes he is lost and going to hell will weep over his sinfulness. Amen. A broken spirit and a broken heart leads to repentance and repentance repentance leads to justification. And justification makes us right with God. Amen. You see these two steps? Huh? Jesus was bringing here. The two attitudes. Attitudes. Huh? How they were reacting. Huh? First they're poor in spirit. Huh? They realize that they're lost. And without God and empty. And then the second thing. Blessed are those that mourn. Those that are crushed. Those that are, are, are weeping over their sinful lifestyle huh? and the life that they live, huh? they're, they're broken over it. Huh? Right. I remember as a kid in this very church, there would be altar calls and people would come up here huh, to the altar. Some were saved, some were right with God, and others were lost. Huh? And those that were lost would weep and confess their sins to God and cry and were burdened and broken. And they were what Jesus said, those that mourn. Huh? And the Christians that were up around the altar needed God's help. They were going through things and suffering things. Huh? And they need spiritual help, spiritual strength. I'll tell you what. You want to get you want. To find one and a person that really gets saved and born again, these two things are going to have to happen. Huh? You hear me? A broken spirit, a poor in spirit. Listen to me. Huh? A poor in spirit and a brokenness of heart over their life. It's the first step to salvation. Amen. <coughs> Praise God. I want to tell you something. <laughs> this gets better and better. Amen. Look at the next one. <clears throat> Number. <clears throat> sit here. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Who are the meek? Amen. The meek, meek, the definition of it means submissive. That means obeying in submission. Quiet and gentle. Amen. Okay? So, if we look, let's just focus on this man. We're going to say this man in this passage of Scripture, which he's preaching to and teaching, he's teaching to, to all the people, but... There's a man in this crowd, huh? 
has a has a he's poor in spirit and he's broken in spirit. Uh, now he's mourning over his sins. How uh, past tense has happened, huh? And he comes to God. He comes to Christ. He believes what's going on. He believes that Christ is the Son of God. He's the Savior of the world. Huh? He repents of his sins. His life is changed. He's born again of the Spirit. Huh? And what brings that? Meekness. <laughs> it brings submission. Now that he's saved and he's a changed person, my friend, huh? he becomes meek in his heart and in submission to God's will in his life. You get it? Amen? Huh? I tell you what, the illustration of this is meekness. If you can get this down, is the wild animals that man has captured and they've caged them, huh? And put them in cages and have trained them to obey them and do what they say. The cowboy is a perfect example of this meekness in the Christian's life. The cowboy, huh? He he gets this wild stallion that's never been rode before, huh? I mean, it, it, that stallion, the purpose of his life is not to have anybody on his back. He's a wild horse, huh? And the and the cowboy captures him somehow, and gets him in the stall, in the pen, in the fence, huh? Gets the saddle out. He strapped him all down because he he won't let him get that close to him. He has to be tied up, huh? Gets the saddle out, puts the saddle on him, huh? It's on his back. Starts to ride him. What does the stallion do? He throws him off. <laughs> the cowboy's used to it. That's his life. He's a cowboy. Huh? But he gets back on him. Huh? And he does it again, maybe two or three times. Huh? But eventually, huh? The stallion, the horse, gives in. Huh? And he obeys the cowboy. Why does he obey the cowboy? Huh? Why does he it, why is he in submission to the cowboy? Because the cowboy's sitting on him now. And he realizes. Huh? There's more power than what he is. I'm under his submission. I don't know how it works that, so I'm just saying that. So I mean, huh? Anyway. So what happens is he's got the bridle on his face and he's got that metal piece and that bridle's in his mouth and he's got the reins in his hands. Now he's in control. Huh? He can turn that horse any way he wants to. Huh? He can spur him on the side to get him to run and take off. He can flip those reins. The point is he's in control. The cowboy is. Amen? Same way with the person, the man and woman that's born again, they became meek and in submission under the power of God. Not 
Not my old lifestyle. Not the way I lived and the things I've done. Huh? Lord, you have brought them all under your control and you have paid me and you have put me into submission to you and I am yours and it's not my will, God, but thine be done. Amen? I'm talking about blessings. I'm talking about a blessed life here. I'm talking about one that surrendered. And the blessings come from it. Huh? Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, He said, not my will, but thine be done. Huh? Jesus was under so much. We'll preach about that huh? when it gets close to the Easter. He was under so much. Huh? He sweat great drops of blood. But He said, it's not my will, God. Amen. You get to that point in your life. Amen. There's going to be some changes. Hallelujah. Blessed are the meek. Amen. This is always a good one to me. I have this one underlined in my Bible here. He said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Huh? For they shall be filled. Praise God. Huh? <clears throat> he is saved. He is brought under, under, he is brought under God's control of his life. Now he is hungering and thirsting for a spirit-filled life. Surrender to God. Huh? He surrenders to God to be a vessel of Used for the Master's work. <laughs> Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, after holiness, after a godly life, for they shall be filled. Filled with what? Filled with joy and peace and happiness. Huh? The only thing that the Spirit can give a person. Amen? Praise God this morning. Huh? That hunger and thirst after righteousness. In other words, God, use me. I'm yours. I'm sold out. I want to be fed. I want to live for you and be used by you. Amen. Amen? Hallelujah. I was reading the story. Said that this guy, he's a pastor, preacher. I got some of his books. Good, good man. He said at his church, it's got to be a big church. He said that they they have a mission there to feed the hungry. And he's probably in a big city. And I think it was 400 and some people that they, they fed. That's how big it was. The mission was. Huh? I tell you what he said. He said, I watched those people come in. And he said, I, he said you can tell. When you see a hungry man. He said, I seen them hungry men standing in line. Huh? He said they were all dirty and filthy and everything. Huh? But they had the ball cap off, had it rolled up in their hands, huh, with their head down like this. He said they'd walk up to the line and have their head down. You know why they had their head down? Because they were humble. 
They never had anything to eat. That's why they were in line. They had nothing to eat. Huh? And they knew they were going to get a meal. And not very long. And they'd be at the front to get something to eat. So they humbled themselves. Huh? I want to tell you something. A humble man, my friend, God can use. Huh? A humble man that is hungry and thirsting after righteousness. Huh? He's going to make it up to where the food is. Huh? Spiritually speaking, hallelujah! Praise God for that! Amen? He's going to be filled with God's Spirit. He's going to be humble before the Lord, realizing that there's nothing He can do on His own. And God will use that man. Huh? He'll use him. He'll use him before he uses any educated, puffed up. Huh? Matter of fact, God won't use those men that are puffed up, that are righteousness. Look at me. Huh? I got a church. I got 2,000, 2,500 people, 3,000, 4,000 people. I have, we have three or four services on a Sunday and two of them on a Saturday. I'm puffed up. I tell you what, if he ain't got God, he ain't got nothing. God will not use him. I'm sorry for the people in the crowd because they'll never feel God's true spirit. Uh, they can. If they're searching and they're hungry, God will leave them somewhere. You hear me? This is all personal. The relationship between us and God is personal. God knows your heart. He knows my heart. He knows the people that sit in the pew's heart. And if they're searching really for, for the true religion and the salvation that the Bible's offer, God will pull them out and put them somewhere else. I didn't know I was going to say that either. That's not in the script. <clears throat> Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's a promise. It's, a, it's not something I hope I'd be filled. It is a, it's, it's a sure thing. Amen? Shall be filled. Blessed, blessed are the merciful, for they shall attain mercy. Is that what? Did I read that right? Obtain. You know what? And it works this way. You're saved. Huh? You come under control of, the, of uh, God. You're in submission to Him. You're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Huh? And then you look back what all God has done. <laughs> Listen! You look back at all the work that God has done in your life. Huh? And you see His mercy and His grace. Hmm. And what happens? You become merciful to those who are lost. I, huh? I'm just paraphrasing him. I was in the same condition as he was and as she was. I felt the same way that God had worship on my soul and I turned him. Uh, now I have mercy on other people. Amen. I have mercy upon their lives now because I see their lost estate and I see myself where I was at and that where I am now and what God has done through this amazing grace. 
Amen. Ha, so they're merciful for those and merciful for the ones that don't deserve mercy. Amen. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Amen. This one here has been on my mind for years. Every once in a while, this scripture will come across. You know, we're tempted in so many things. We're flesh and blood. Huh? Tempted, huh? Whatever it might be, could be sexual things, sexual uh, pictures, or anything, huh? Or there could be anything that feeds to your appetite. It don't have to be sex; it could be anything else. But it feeds on your appetite, huh? It's the devil's wanting you to reach out and grab it, huh? And once you grab it. Uh, then you're in it. And once you're in it, it's hard to get out of it. Huh? Listen. But the scripture said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Huh? I'm reminded of that verse many times in my life. Keep your heart pure. And I can't do that on my own. I realize that. Huh? I realize the carnal man that is inside of me wants his own way, wants his own pleasures and everything that has to do with me. Uh, but I tell you what, i got to keep a pure mind and a pure heart. Why is that? Because that's who's going to see God. <laughs> Amen? He's, that's, who, that's the person, that's the individual that's going to see God when their heart's pure and their heart's right before God. They'll enter into the kingdom for eternity. Amen. Sometime I struggle on it. I got to find. Sometime I'll get it. I want to preach on the mind. Boy, I tell you what, that's something that's very powerful. But blessed are the pure in heart. They live for God. How they hunger and thirst after God. How for the righteousness. Hunger and thirst for, for to be the vessel that He would have them to use. They stepped out, my friend, into this spiritual life of holiness and a spirit-filled life that's controlling them today. And they're going to keep their heart pure. They're not going to lose it. Huh? What was the song we sang here a while back? Huh? I have gained too much to lose. There's been too many rivers. That our feet has been through. Huh? Praise God. That's a good song. I can't even remember the verses. Too many mountains lie behind the, the valley or something like that. Too many rivers. My feet has gone through. <laughs> Too many treasures. Huh? Are lying over yonder. Huh? I'm getting to us. To lose all of that. Mm -hmm. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Amen. Persecuted. Blessed are they 
Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all men are evil against you. Falsely. That means they're lying about you. For my sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So, for so persecute they the prophets that went before you. Now, I tell you what, I thought about the missionaries, all the things they went through and are going through, what they had to give up and sacrifice, the persecutions, uh, the voice of the martyrs. By the way, I got you a book, Normus, right there. I'll make to give that to you. Remind me to do that. The voice of the martyrs has those stories. <clears throat> They're facing the persecution in other countries. <clears throat> those in the workplace who make fun of you. Religious people who are against true religion. Hmm? You get that? That's how the Pharisees and the Sadducees was against Jesus. They were the religious people. But they were against Jesus because He was the true God. Huh? They made fun of you in the workplace. There's been many people persecuted in the workplace because of their faith. Huh? Because they would pray. Huh? At lunch, they would bow their head and pray and then they'd eat. They had a Bible, huh, on their table or in their locker or wherever. Huh? They had a witness. Huh? And people's made fun of them. Amen. I remember. I know I need to express my faith and my belief more than I do. I do when I feel like the time's right. And I remember this, and I'm gonna I'll end up getting this through this. And I remember this. We was all working at one place. One time we all got together when I first started this job and we they sent us up to Lafayette. And they we all gathered there together and we was gonna split up. Had a big project going on. And we was gonna split up in twos and go our ways and do the work that we needed to be done. And the guy that I was witness to and talked to in my new church, uh, he said he was he said he went to church and that he was a Christian, but he has a lot of trouble and problems trying to live that life. And but when he was around me and we talked, he was pretty pretty clear. Let me get to this point in the story. So when we was gathered there uh, to divide up, go go other places. He got around that crowd. The people that were like him. You hear me? Huh? And then he cussed and sweared and said the F word. And then he turned around and he looked at me and apologized. He said, I'm so sorry for what I said. Well, I understood it because I know where it comes from. Okay? And I, I accepted this apology. And then there was another guy in the crowd. Kind of made, he said the comment, I can't remember what he said, but he said, oh no, we got one of those basically religious holy rollers. That's not what he said. But he made fun of me, basically, not to my face. I heard him say it to someone else. I was supposed to listen, I guess, to hear it. It didn't bother me because I was, that's who I am. 
I'm not afraid of who I am. Uh, I know who I am. God showed me that. I'm nobody special. Don't ever think that. Believe me. I'm the lowest of the lowest. Huh? But I want to tell you this. This is the whole punchline of it. <coughs> As I got to working with the guy that said that, and I witnessed to him, huh? About my experience, huh? And I told him, me and him worked together that day on Saturday. Not that day. This was a different one. And I told him about my experience. And he was broken over what was happening in his life. Huh? And I told him what Christ could do. He went to church when he was a kid. Uh, and he really enjoyed it. Huh? And I talked to him about it. And we had a great conversation. I told him my experiences and the things that I went through in this life that he was going through. And you know what? Me and him become best friends. Huh? He's, he's in a different department now, but I see him now, man. Huh? And we're good friends. Blessed are they huh, who revile you, persecute you, and say all matter of evil against you falsely. Now, I'm going to get to this last part here real quick. <clears throat> it said, For ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, that flavor, wherein shall be salted. Henceforth it's good for nothing, but to be cast out and be trodden under the foot of man. Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on the hill that cannot be hid. Neither do man light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick that it giveth light unto day, all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Let me read this to you here real quick. <clears throat> the light of the world describes the essential mission of the Christian in the world. He is the, he is the condition, salt, to meet the world's needs and he has a mission of light to the world. His light is to clearly shine forth into the darkness of human depravity. He is sent, he, he is to send his light upon a candlestick and not hide it under a bushel or a basket. Darkness is the absence of light, and darkness alone cannot dispel the light. But the smallest light can dispel the greatest darkness. Amen. So this is what Jesus was saying, and I'm done. I know I'm out of time. Huh? He said he was teaching on these attitudes and, and, and uh, to these people. Huh? And if they grasped what he was taught, huh? And they done what he had said. And took everything with the, in the right attitude and the right state of mind, and come to the position and to be disciples of Him. The whole purpose of it was to go out into the world and be the salt and the light that this lost and dying world needs today. You get it? You see how brilliant Jesus was. His mind was unbelievable, huh? Because he had to have these type of people to go out into the world to be the salt, my friend, and the light, huh? To this lost and dying world, huh? To fulfill the purpose and the mission of the church. Right. Amen. 
Let me find that one part here, if I can find it here real quick. Uh, what it said here. Uh, let me find it, if I can say it. <coughs> Amen. Where did it? Oh, shoot, I had it right here, and I thought I... Okay, here it is. It says here that <clears throat> salt indicates that only a genuine born-again person is salt and can help meet the needs, listen, of the world. Salt as flavoring, acts as a preservative, melts coldness, and heals wounds. Thus, it is the very appropriate description of a believer in his relationship to the world and in which he lives. Amen. Get it? Right. <laughs> Great. God needs salt. Yes. And He needs light. Huh? In this world today that we're living in. Huh? We as a church, as God's people, need to be that salt and that light. Amen? Huh? I tell you what, I'll never forget that. What they said about the disciples. They went out after the Holy Spirit had filled their lives. They went out and preached and taught. And they turned the world upside down with their preaching. Amen.